Hey everybody, welcome to Therapy for Humans, the podcast where if you're not careful, you might just pick up some tips on how to survive as a more or less psychologically intact human in the modern world. My name is Rowan, and I'll be your host. Welcome to episode four of Therapy for Humans, the show where you get free therapy. If you would like to call in with a question, you can leave a voicemail at 844-DURANGO. That's 844-387-2646. You can also email me at rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com. And I will do my best to answer your questions in a more or less coherent manner. Okay, let's jump in with an email I received this week. They say, uh, hi, Rowan, I am a 28-year-old woman who loves sex. I meet a lot of guys who are more than happy to hook up with me and then get mad at me when I don't want an ongoing relationship. Is there something wrong with me? Should I want more than just sex? Well, thanks for your email. The short answer is no, there's nothing wrong with you. You get to have as much sex with other consenting adults as you want, period. You could let these guys know maybe before you hook up with them that you're not looking for an ongoing relationship. Uh, and that might give them some guidance uh, on how to move forward. But you are not doing anything wrong. You get to do this. You're an adult. It's one of the perks. In terms of should you want more than just sex? Not necessarily. If you're happy with your life, if you don't feel like you're missing out on something else, then fuck all the guys you want. At some point, I'm guessing you'll find yourself drawn to more and deeper relationships. But until that happens, if it ever does, just relax and stop shooting all over yourself. And a side note to this, you know, we all have these ideas that society or culture or our families or whoever puts in our head that we're supposed to be doing something different, that we're supposed to be behaving differently, feeling differently, whatever it is. And, you know, a lot of the time, if you just look at where you're at and what you're doing and kind of reality check whether those folks are right or not, you'll realize that it's okay for you to be doing what you're doing. And the only issue is that you need to work on these thoughts in your head that are telling you that you're not okay or that you should be doing something different. If it's making you happy, if it's not getting in the way of other things that you want to be accomplishing, if it's not holding you back in some way, then you're probably doing just fine. Okay, we have a voicemail that we'll go to now. Seems like we have a theme brewing. Hey, Rowan. I am a 30-something in uh, Durango and have been doing some online dating because living in a small town is hard to meet people and that seems to be the only avenue to to make that happen these days for for me and um, but man it is just filled with landmines of things that can go wrong and you know after a while of doing it it really has taken a toll um, on my sense of self-esteem in some in some points and also my hope for you know actually meeting somebody who is a good fit and so I just would love to hear your thoughts on how you think that dating and specifically online dating affects people's self-esteem and what your thoughts are on how to stay resilient and keep things in perspective um, and how to just manage all the emotions that come up it can be kind of an emotional roller coaster from the excitement of first um, swiping and, and matching with somebody who's attractive and seems interesting and the nervousness when it comes to setting that first date and actually showing up and hoping that they didn't do and um, to all the way to the other end of that when 
disappointment sets in, whether it be, you know, because you realize that it's not a fit for you or you realize that they're not feeling it. And then the dread that comes with having to tell somebody that or knowing that you're going to hear it or have to figure it out. So anyways, just an emotional roller coaster and so, so much vulnerability, just putting yourself out there again and again. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and um, any tips that you might have to make that work better and um, make it work well for us out here in the dating game. So thank you so much, Ron. Look forward to hearing what you think. Okay. Thanks for your call. Uh, Let me start with a disclaimer. I've been with my wife for almost 30 years. We met when we were 19. The internet hadn't been invented yet. She approached me the old fashioned way. She bummed a cigarette. So I have zero experience with online dating. I do know a lot about insecurity, however. So let's start there. So putting yourself out there, especially in a romantic or sexual way, is the most vulnerable thing we do as humans. We're offering ourselves either literally or figuratively to another human. And we're hoping that they treat us gently. And this is not a gendered experience, by the way. I work with a lot of men whose hearts have been ripped apart by women or other men who behave thoughtlessly. We all have the capacity to get hurt, and we all crave intimate connection, and that invariably comes with the risk of pain. Is it a reasonable trade-off? Intimacy and vulnerability are intertwined. We can't separate them, and I'm not sure that we would want to even if we could. That's what makes it magical. That's what makes that feeling we get when we really connect with somebody. You can't get that if you're walled up and walled off. It doesn't happen. It can't work. So I think the online dating experience brings aspects into it that didn't exist several years ago. I feel like it's closely tied in with the need that some of us feel around how many likes we get on our Facebook posts or any other digital validation that we get from our social media feeds. But it brings in our sense of worth as desirable, intimate partners as well. And I've seen more than a few of my clients get into a place with Tinder or Grindr or other dating or hookup apps that has more than a whiff of addiction to it. The constant checking to see if someone out there has found your photo and your 25-word bio acceptable enough to swipe one way or another. I can't even imagine anything more damaging to our sense of self than this mob rule validation or rejection of our most surface characteristics. So... All that having been said, this is the way we date now, for better or worse. And there are many happy couples out there who have met online. It seems to me that the key to online dating, while also keeping your psyche intact, is to really pay attention to where and how you are showing up in this. If you're finding yourself constantly checking your app, if you find that your emotional state goes up and down based on that, it's probably time to step back. Spend some time with some real in-person humans who love you. They don't need to be romantic partners to buoy your sense of self, to remind you that you matter, that you have worth, that you are more than your dating profile and the reaction that that is getting. Okay, so all of that was kind of about the app and how many matches you're getting and how that piece affects your sense of self. But let's talk about what happens when you get face-to-face. The caller mentions a couple of times this emotional roller coaster. Um... I totally understand how that must feel. You make this tentative connection online. Maybe there's a few emails or texts or even a phone call and you set up a date. So here's the deal. Since the beginning of time, people have been getting more excited about first dates than pretty much anything else in their lives. There's that flutter of expectation, the nervousness around how they'll perceive you and what you'll think of them. 
And will you hook up? Will they be funny and sweet and romantic? Will they be an asshole? Will you even be safe? There's a lot there. And it's inextricably tied to our sense of self. And there's massive judgment in the room when you first meet. And it's on both sides. And anyone who says that they don't judge people is completely full of shit. Dating aside, everyone we meet, everywhere we go, everybody we see gets run through our filters. How they look, what they wear, how they act, how they smell, who they're with, what they drive. It's all getting run through the social computer in our brains. What we do with that information, I think we do have control over. But don't tell me you don't judge people. That's absolute bullshit. Okay, anyway, I digress. The first date is a minefield. In fact, I think the caller even uses that term landmines. At any point, we could get blown up emotionally. I have an urge to break into Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar right now, but I'm going to spare you that. But I know you're feeling me on that. Okay, so in the old days, unless you were in a city and working the singles bars, you weren't dating several times a week. You might not even be dating several times a year. So I would ask, how much of this do you have tolerance for? I don't think learning how to stay in a place where you don't have expectations and you don't get excited and therefore you don't get let down is the answer. That's like training yourself not to like Christmas or birthdays. What's the point of that? I want you to be excited. I want you to be hopeful. I want you to believe that every date might be the one you've been looking for all along. So how often can you put yourself through that and remain the person that you want to be? How can you find that balance between dating and the roller coaster that inevitably comes with it and giving yourself some space to reconnect into who you are, who you know you are, who you want to be. Okay, we're going to move on to something that came up in session the other day, um, and I asked my client if I could talk about it here, and they were okay with that. It's about marking the important things in our lives. When we step out of our comfort zones and do something that makes a difference, either in our lives or in someone else's, that's really important shit. It needs to be recognized. It needs to be acknowledged so that we can fully incorporate it into our bodies, into our minds. Our culture sucks at this. We do okay with a few of the big things, weddings, funerals, graduations, that kind of thing. But the more personal victories, not so much. We shy away from this because we feel self-centered or egotistical, like it's all about us. Well, you know what? Sometimes it's all about us, and it should be. In this case, my client stepped way outside of their comfort zone and stepped up to owning who they are to some intimidating people. This was huge for them. It had the potential to be important to others as well, but even if that weren't the case, what this means for them personally is a very big deal. We've gotten away from ritual in our culture, and with that we've lost the ability to own our own victories. And by ritual, I don't mean drumming and fire and sage and chanting, although that's all really cool stuff. And if that works for you, go for it. But I recognize that for many people, that direction can feel too weird. It can be as simple as writing a letter to yourself about what that day means or drawing a picture, having a special dinner with someone who can really get what this means to you, even taking a particularly poignant selfie if that's your thing. What you do doesn't really matter that much, but the doing is important. It's important because it gives you permission to mark this moment as a turning point or a victory or a significant loss, whatever it was. It lets you own it fully. So I would urge you, dear listener, to give yourself permission to take ownership of your life experience in significant ways that mean something to you. 
your future selves would be proud of you. And so will I. Okay, we have one more email today. And this person says, Hi Rowan, a friend of mine's brother just passed away unexpectedly, and I'm struggling with how to best support her. I'm not sure if I should give her a space or not, or how to really talk to her right now. Okay, well thanks for your email. So grief is another thing that we pretty much suck at in our culture. We're very uncomfortable with death, and that leads us to being uncomfortable with people who are grieving as well. Please don't give in to this discomfort. I wrote a blog post about this years ago that you can find at DurangoPsychotherapy.com. I'll also link to it in the episode notes on the podcast site as well. The bottom line is that it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to not know what to say. It's not okay to stay away from your friend while she grieves to spare yourself discomfort. Show up, bring food, bring wine, bring chocolate. Tell her you don't know what to say. Tell her you're sorry that she's going through this. Tell her that you love her. Ask her what she needs. If she says, oh, I'm fine, check your gut. If it doesn't feel like she's fine, then bring it down deeper. I'll tell you a little story about what happened this weekend that has to do with this. So I saw a friend in the grocery store I hadn't seen in over a year um, and asked her how she was. And she said, I'm good. Things are good. But there was something off. It didn't feel authentic. And so I looked at her. I said, I don't believe you. And she looked at me and she got a little defensive and she said, fine. And then she started to cry. And I felt like an asshole because I felt like I had been too harsh and too abrupt and that I shouldn't have said that I didn't believe her, but it was done. And all I could really do was look at her. I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, I see that you're not okay, but you also don't want to talk about it in the middle of the grocery store. And she nodded and I gave her another hug and told her that if there was anything I could do, that I'd be happy to meet up with her this week. And I kind of made a hasty retreat, still feeling like I had fucked it all up. So we texted later and I apologized and she thanked me for seeing her authentically and that things weren't actually all that bad. I just had kind of taken her off guard when she was carrying some, some heavy stuff. So back to the email, do a better job than I did in that situation, but get down underneath that place where we all feel like we're not supposed to really speak to how we actually are when someone asks. Your friend lost her brother. She's hurting. Ask her what she needs. Let her know you're there for her. If she doesn't take advantage of you opening your heart to her, then it's okay to step back, but my guess is that she'll open to you if you lead the way. Let it be awkward. Let it be weird. But allow it to happen. Okay, so next week, next Tuesday, voting day. Very exciting. I don't want to get into politics here, but I do want to urge you to let your voice be heard. I know that it can be easy to feel like your vote doesn't matter, and I could even get behind the idea that when it comes to the presidential race, there are a lot of moving parts and electoral college, and maybe, just maybe, your vote is not being counted as it should be. But this is a midterm election, so let's not even go there. I urge you to listen to what the local issues are and to who your local uh, officials are that are running. Vote based on what you want your town to look like. When I lived in Vermont, we lived in this really small town. The guy that owned a local general store, yes, there was a local general store, and it was so Vermonty that it hurt except they weren't actually trying to be Vermonty; They just were. But anyway, this guy was pretty conservative, and I have no doubt that we probably would not have seen eye to eye on a lot of things, but he was also a state representative, and I felt heard by him. On numerous occasions, I stopped by the store and asked about local or state issues, and he explained them in ways that made sense to me. Not in ways that I felt were trying to sway me one way or another, but just giving me the facts that I needed to make informed decisions. I voted for him every year because I felt like I had access to him. 
and because I felt like he truly took his job as it was meant to be, to represent the people in his area, not just his own opinions. There has to be other people like that out there. Find them. Don't get bogged down whether there's a D or an R next to their names. Take the time to ask good questions, listen to the answers, and then go vote. And then go get ice cream. Because ice cream is good, and it's nonpartisan. So that's the end of our show this week. I hope you had a good time. I know I did. Feel free to call into the show and leave a voicemail. And uh, that number is 844-Durango. That's 844-387-2646. You can also email me at rowan at therapyforhumanspodcast.com. And anytime you email or call in, all of that is confidential. So I will never disclose your name or any other identifying information unless you specifically say that you want me to. If you're interested in seeing me live and in person for therapy, you can get in touch with me through DurangoPsychotherapy.com or you can call me at 903-3893. So until next week, take care of yourself and take care of each other.